Chapter 15 How God Deals with Sin and the Sinner. Leviticus 4 27 35. We have here first the sinner. He is one of the common people. Anyone, verse 27, whosoever. Second, the sin. It is one of ignorance. He is not aware of it. Conscious did not take cognizance of it. He has forgotten it. Third, the remedy. It is a sin offering. This can only make it pass as completely from God's memory as it has passed from his own. Fourth, the atonement. It is by blood through the intervention of the priesthood. There is no atonement without the blood of a substitute. Fifth, the connection. It is between the sinner and the atonement. He lays his hands on the sacrifice for a twofold reason to identify himself with it and to transfer his sin to it. He says, Let this stand instead of me. It's life and death for my life and death. And sixth, the forgiveness. The sin passes away. There's no condemnation. It is instantaneous, complete, and perpetual pardon. Such was the symbol, full and expressive, revealing to us atonement and pardon through the one great sacrifice. Let us see what this old sin offering teaches us. 1. What God Thinks of Sin It is something that must not be slighted. It is infinitely hateful, calling for condemnation and wrath. There is nothing light or trivial about it. It is not to be jested with, transiently frowned upon, or forgotten in a day. It calls for special marks of wrath. It is the abominable thing that he hates. Its beginning is wrath and death. Its end is hell. As he thinks, so does he wish us to think. What do you think of sin? What is your opinion of its nature, its evil, and what it deserves? 2. How he deals with it. He does not despise nor forget it. He deals with it as a judge. He estimates it as a judge. He condemns it as a judge. He inflicts punishment as a judge. This must be either executed on us personally or on our substitute. Condemnation must be proclaimed. The penalty must be executed. A. He condemns sin. He gave the law to condemn sin. He set up the cross to condemn it more. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Ezekiel 18.4, King James Version. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. B. He provides a sin-bearer. He does not leave us to do this, but does it himself. He not only appoints the sin offering, but he also provides the victim. His son, the Word made flesh, he is the appointed sin-bearer, divine and human in his constitution, perfect in all respects, sufficient for the great undertaking, able to bear wrath without being consumed. And see, he transfers the guilt. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6, King James Version. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Isaiah 53, 5, King James Version. He who has the right to retain or transfer the guilt transfers it to a substitute. Thus then, he has provided the atonement. His appointed high priest has made the atonement. This atonement is now a past fact. It is done. The sin offering has been brought. The blood has been shed. The propitiation has been accomplished. God has done it all without man's help, desire, or concurrence. 
Nothing more is needed now in the shape of atonement for the guiltiest. No more blood, no more fire, no more endurance of wrath. It is all done. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. Love is now free to flow out. And three, how he deals with the sinner. He bids him to come for pardon and assures him of getting it at once, freely, on the ground of the provided atonement, and simply as a sinner. His objective is to connect the sinner with the propitiation. As long as they remain separate, there is no resulting benefit to man from the shed blood. He provides thus for the connection of the sinner. A. He issues a declaration concerning his own free love, his goodwill to men, his willingness to pardon any sinner. God so loved the world. John 3.16. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Ephesians 2.4. Thus we have God's own assurance of a personal welcome to each of us as we are. We do not make the welcome personal by our prayers or feelings. We avail ourselves of an already existing personal welcome to each sinner as a sinner. B. He issues a testimony to the completeness of the atonement. He raised up his son from the dead as the visible testimony. But besides this, he has in various ways given full testimony as to the sufficiency and suitableness of the atonement. And C. He issues a promise of forgiveness to everyone who will receive this testimony. It will be forgiven him, Leviticus 5.13, is his promise to everyone who thus believes. Therefore, forgiveness becomes a matter of certainty to everyone who connects himself with the divine sin offering. Perhaps you say, I see that God has provided a propitiation, that it is complete and available for me, but how am I to be so connected with it as to obtain the pardon? Everything depends on this connection being established, for without it there is no pardon. Now, how did the Israelite connect himself with the sin offering? He simply took the lamb, brought it to the priest, and said, Let this stand for me, laying his hand on it and thereby transferring all his guilt to it. So we, by receiving the testimony and the promise, connect ourselves with the divine atonement. We go to God, saying, Let this life and death be for my life and death. We consent to be dealt with on the footing of another, not our own, and immediately the personal exchange takes place. He gets all our evil, we get all his good. Our demerit goes to him, his merit comes to us. We take the royal grant of life and righteousness through the life and death of another. Pardon is secured, and should be a thing as sure and as conscious to us as to the Israelite after he had brought the sacrifice and had seen it laid on the altar.